0: How's the light? Is it your, your light? Is good. Light is good, okay. and uh, yeah, yeah, we can see you well. We're we're live right now, so so there you go, right? Live, live, uh, live action.
1: We we always love live TV, right? Even even when it's remotely live.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there's just so much that could happen, especially in the world we're living in now with digital. As long as we can hear each other and see each other, we're in good shape right now. Yeah, so this is Rob Thompson. That's Carl Thomas over there. This is game plan you today, and just so you know, um, we will have questions hopefully coming in if we catch people at the right time coming off of work right now. So we'll get them. Uh, we'll pop them up the screen, Carl. When we do have them, um, they can also text them over to me um, at here. It is on the bottom five one eight eight six seven eleven seventeen. Throw your first name in there, and we'll ask Carl. The Any questions relating to business or life or whatever. So, Carl, you are a proven CEO, board of director, member, senior advisor, international C-suite growth strategist, entrepreneur, a mentor, and the list goes on and on. And uh, I, I, I thank you so much for spending some time with us.
1: Oh, my pleasure, Rob.
0: So let's, for those that don't know you, um, and, and within my audience, why don't you give a, you know, give an intro to yourself, tell a little bit more about your career and what you've been up to now, and um, you know, share a little bit of that uh, knowledge and your story with us.
1: No, for sure. So I've I've been, and I, I'm not really as old as it may seem. Um, But I've been very fortunate over my uh, both athletic career and business career. Uh, I came out of UCLA as a swimmer and a water polo player, was fortunate enough to swim in a couple of Olympic trials and, and actually played on the US national water polo team for a couple of years. All of that aquatic activity led to my first real job, other than being a bartender and a waiter, which I'm sure we all did at some point in time. Uh, But I became the vice president of marketing at Speedo Swimwear. I was at Speedo for the better part of seven years. From Speedo, I launched a triathlon property uh, called the U.S. Triathlon Series. In the early 80s, um, we we sort of began and then expanded upon what has commonly been called short course triathlon. Uh, But in 1984, around the occasion of the L.A. Olympic Games, we we were in the third year of the series and we settled on 1500 meter swim, 40K bike, 10K run. And the next 10 years, saw that format explode worldwide. I was a co-founder of what is now USA Triathlon uh, and also the co-founder of what is now the International Triathlon Union. And our distance, that 1500 meter uh, swim, 40K bike, 10K run, became the international standard distance, and it was the distance of of every ITU World Championships since the inaugural one in 1989. And I, along with several others, um, worked really hard to get triathlon uh, on the Olympic program. We were successful in doing that, and triathlon debuted as a full Olympic sport for both men and women in Sydney in the year 2000 again at that format so all all of that sort of early if you will pioneering activity um got me inducted into both of those halls of fame that in and, and five dollars rob gets you some decent coffee around the corner if you can actually get into the coffee shop uh, <clears throat> from there it was a, a continuation of of my career because i we we had launched Um, the entrepreneurial endeavor, CAT Sports. CAT owned the triathlon series. We packaged dozens of television shows, leveraged sponsorship, um, and and we're really sort of one of the early episodic um, uh, sporting events in participant sports to sort of spread across the country. And we ended up over the course of the dozen years putting close to 200,000 triathletes through courses. In, in about 25 U.S. cities uh, over that time span. So it was an awesome experience. Uh, and it taught me a lot about um, what it takes to be an entrepreneur and, and what it takes to sell and package sponsorship for sporting events at the national and international level and actually do the very important work to keep those sponsors satisfied, happy, and at the same time blend the experience with the participant base. Uh, from then, it was um, uh, a little stint with the AVP, which is back then the men's pro beach volleyball tour, and I worked there in the run-up to their debut in the Olympic Games, Atlanta, nineteen ninety-six. Was then recruited to go to Universal Studios, spent half a dozen, almost six years there, and uh, and ran all of the corporate partnership for the theme park properties, and then took on a corporate role at Universal as well. Um, from there, Tickets.com uh, was the CRO and CMO. And in 2005, we successfully sold that company to Major League Baseball via their MLBAM arm. Um, and fr- from then on, it's been a, a, a really fun uh, and, and interesting ride into the world of private equity, um, helping uh, entrepreneurs get funded, <clears throat> taking early stage companies and getting into growth capital modes, uh, with, with a couple of full-time roles along the way. And, and as you and I are speaking today, I'm sort of taking all of that experience uh, and, and, you know, sort of navigating through potholes, right? I mean, one of the great things about being an, a, a mentor in entrepreneurial environments is helping the young entrepreneurs not repeat mistakes that, that I've, I've either, um, you know, come out of or that I know uh, via my experience just don't work. Uh, And that's really a fun part of of being a mentor. Currently, I'm a senior advisor uh, for the Orange County Soccer Club. Um, And with all of what is going on in the marketplace today, of course, the USL in which the OC Soccer Club is a division one club, has suspended operations up through the end of May exact timing of that TBD, but that's true with all live sports across the country, as you well know.
0: So talk about, um, by the way, that that's a heck of a career, mister. That's a heck of a career. Okay. Um, so, you know, when I have, so when I have someone on that has the body of work that you've had and you're how uh, you've pivoted now to helping others, um, advisory roles, mentoring roles, and then obviously on the investment side. Talk about if you were if you were in the position right now um, of starting up a business in the world that we live in and trying to get none of that. You know, what advice would you have to those? You know, those scrappy startups are here facing what they're facing in the world today. You know, so talk sure. about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, no, that's a really that's a really good question and and obviously very relevant in today's environment so the first thing i would say is and and you've heard it before this too shall pass if the entrepreneurial idea was good six months ago three months ago it's good today are there going to be some nuances are there going to be some changes are there going to be some adaptive requirements that will be necessary absolutely but i would really encourage any young entrepreneur out there if he or she feels like they have a really good product or or a really good service or both to stay very focused on that and and so taking a step back from that the, the clarity around the quality of the product the quality of the service is is really important that that product or service had better serve a need in the marketplace, a need that the entrepreneur sees maybe is not being addressed right now or is not being addressed as well as he or she believes it could or should be addressed. Uh, And that said, that's kind of why one one would engage in an entrepreneurial activity. And secondly, what that product or service is is super important. So a few questions that one needs to ask oneself you know, before going in hook, line and sinker, is this product or service disruptive in the marketplace in any way? And there are tons of examples of that, Uber being probably one of the most noteworthy as they disrupted what what all of us had come to to believe was uh, an industry that was non-disruptible. Right. It was the taxi service and it was the limo driver. Well, Uber Uber changed forever, Uh, public transportation, Uh, And there are a number of other examples I could use. So one of the questions that that you could ask yourself is, is is my idea disruptive and is it unique, better and different? And if so, in what ways is it unique, better and different? Um, It just can't be a me too product. It's, It's awesome to build a better mousetrap but in today's environment where the barriers to entry are so low particularly in digital in software spaces you you better have a pretty good idea of of the moat if you will that that would surround your product to make it unique adoptable because principally being the 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 first to market is a huge advantage and then you go through that normal uh that that normal product cycle right you have early adopters um, and then it goes right on up to when you know you all of a sudden hit this sort of magic place where it scales where it scales well so you know those kinds of things need to be taken into account how much protection or intellectual property or is the product or service patentable those questions need to be asked and, and, and answered and then most importantly, Robin you and I sort of probably share this view uh, once you've established your you know that that you do have a viable business model, um, you need to understand the size of the market you're looking to address. And within that macro size of the market, there should be an addressable piece of that market that you know extremely well. And that then is your almost all day, every day focal point. Um, you, You make the best cake you can make and you make it again and again and again and again, and pretty soon that addressable market that you've identified, and you are now communicating with via your go-to-market strategy, will begin to eat the cake and then they'll reorder the cake and then they're gonna tell their friends how awesome the cake is and they're gonna have their friends over their house to eat the cake and you get the drift, right? It, it scales from there. And then the, the last point I would make <clears throat> is um, you know, build yourself a capable management team, at least uh, identify who that capable management team might be. You may not have the capital yet to hire them, uh, or they may be willing to, to sign on for a reduced compensation package that might include some equity or or options longer term. Uh, and then <clears throat> very important to have a capable financial person on your wing. If that's not you, then you need somebody who, who's very skilled in dancing around a, an Excel spreadsheet, can talk you through uh, the the valid assumptions that need to be made those assumptions that you're going to rely on and then using those assumptions built out a three to five year financial plan we all grew up well you and i did um, when the five-year plan was a requirement not true today Um, three years is fine and the most important part of the those three years is the first 18 months because typically if a company can launch and still be alive 18 months downstream the chances of Continued success and viability are much, much higher.
0: Wow, that's um well, you had me at a cake. You know, once <laughs> you say cake, I, you had me there. So um I got another question for you. So talk about investors. Let's shift over there for a second. You know, the one thing that I'm hearing and I'm seeing is a lot of these startups who are out there looking for funder funding, they're starting to panic a little bit. You know, in your opinion, do you think that investors are going to wait till the market opens back up or do you think they're still going to look for the deal flow and try to get those deals done now while the market's a little bit soft, knowing that it's going to come back?
1: Right. Well, I think both of those cases could be could be apropos here. One of the things in investors, particularly those who who are deeply pocketed, uh. As difficult as it might sound for an entrepreneur, those investors are still willing to write checks, but not at the valuations they might have two months ago. So they're—I won't say they're bottom fishing, but they're looking for a bargain. And if you get the right investor, um, then I, I, you know it's it's not a stretch to to sort of reduce your your valuation uh, a little bit to get you in the game. And and give yourself the best chance for success. If your investor pool or those you have been chasing have completely dried up, or have basically told you, "Hey, we're off, we're out of the market for six months until we understand when this thing is going to calm down and when the capital markets are going to come back," um, then then you know you you have to keep looking. Um, in the meantime, you take take this time where not a lot is happening uh, outside of you know, digital and remote sessions like this to really fine-tune your your business model, your product offering. Uh, if you're on the product side and, you know, like shoes or apparel, you have to revisit the supply chains that you were hoping to set up, figure out if the elements or the companies in, you know, from raw materials right on through to finished goods, If if that supply chain uh, is still in place, how healthy it is, because the ripple effect from, uh, you know, stores closing or shuttering all of the direct to consumer commerce that's that's taking place right now. All of those direct to consumer uh, product categories have to have to have supply chains that are in good working order. Uh, so that that's the that's the actual sort of product side of it. Software or digital side of the of the businesses, that product development can continue on unabated uh, because it's 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 a remote anyway in all likelihood, and it's about coders and it's about product testing. Um, and all of those things should continue uh, full throttle while while, we, I won't say we wait for, but we begin to understand what the what the art of the possible is is here over the next, call it, you know, 15 to 75 days.
0: One of the things that I've been talking to a lot of the startups about too, especially if they feel like their business has stopped, right? The market hasn't opened for sports at all. The entire industry shut down right now for the most part. Um, the one thing that I've been telling them to do is to look at the things that you always wanted to get to and to look at a vertical within your business because at some point this may happen again. And it may happen within the cycle of your business within the next three to five years. So when the industry comes to a standstill again, if I'm an investor, I'm going to ask that question is, how are you going to overcome this next time this happens? So talk a little bit about that. Um, and, and, and if you can, I don't, I don't know if this is relevant, but, how did you overcome any challenges that you had in your business when the market crashed last time, two thousand and eight, two thousand and ten, right around that window?
1: Well, I, I'll address that one first. So I was working in private equity in, in back then. Uh, the and, and, and it was true and and I think it's still true right now, Rob. It's just the dynamics of where and how investments get made change all the time. This is just the latest wrinkle. Um, it's obviously a big wrinkle, but it's but but, as I said at the at the top of the show, this this too shall pass. So back in two thousand eight, two thousand and nine, there was what we call a capital overhang in the market. It, there There was an awful lot of private equity um, and and investment capital that was that was ready and and the powder was dry, and they were ready to deploy. What happened in the in the fall of two thousand and eight with the Lehman collapse, was that these, all of these um, check writers, if you will, went on hold. Now, they did it for financial reasons. They did it because financial markets collapsed. They did it because the sort of 2008, 2009, what I'll call debacle, for lack of a better term, was actually, you know, predicated on very risky and in some instances fraudulent financial practices across the home mortgage markets, across the insurance markets, and and you know that story. Very different from what happened with the coronavirus COVID nineteen. This was uh, a, a scenario. We're living in a scenario that, through no fault of our own, through no mismanagement, at least in the capital markets, financial markets, um, was any of that in in place. This is like. Uh, you know, a tsunami. So, what happens in a tsunami? You know, it comes, and you deal, and, and and then and then it fades away. Does that mean a tsunami is never going to happen again? No. A tsunami will happen again. So, you you know, using the tsunami analogy, all of a sudden, uh, you know, homes get built on stilts. Uh, they get built further back from the coastline. Uh, retaining walls go in. Breakwaters go in. Um, all of those mitigating factors that that weren't in place the first time, that now um, it, it becomes obvious that those factors would have helped, that's really the perspective one needs to take. I can't sit here um, and tell you specifically what those mitigating factors might be on a case-by-case basis for the entrepreneurs um, out there, but I, but I can tell you that you know redundant backup systems in the software and digital space while as obvious as they are, you'd be amazed at how many uh, companies, businesses, and individuals fail to back up their systems on a regular basis. That's you know, that that that's akin to just letting all the reserves go down to zero and thinking, oh well, this tsunami is never going to come again.
0: Well, we know every, history repeats itself, <laughs> right? So. <laughs> It just keeps on going. You know, how many of these uh, we can start living through? Thank God they're not anything worse than, you know, our grandparents and our parents lived through with World War II, Vietnam, and all those other crazy wars that were happening. So um, you just such a wealth of knowledge and the things that you've experienced in your life. And, you know, I could definitely see where, you know, you as an advisor, certainly a mentor um, would mean a great deal to a startup what advice do you give someone starting a business right now? And, and the importance of a mentor advisor within those startup businesses. I mean, what, what, what have mentors meant to you in your life, in your career?
1: Oh, they've been almost, you almost can't describe how, how important they are. Um, one, uh, a, a trusted mentor that you are able to go to with, with any question at any time and know you're gonna get a straight answer, even if that answer is, I don't know, let's think about that. Let me, let me think about who I know who might be able to help us answer that question. That, that kind of backstop is, is hugely important, whether it's you know a, a mentor from afar or a member of your advisory board or your boss um you know and you know to be an entrepreneur doesn't always and only mean that you have to start your own company or launch your own product um i spent a number of years of my career in larger organizations where i approached my daily activity as an entrepreneur the the word back then was intrapreneur so universal studios being a great example you know, it's an $8 billion company. I had 30 people that I was leading in my group and and I led them as if it was my own business and we went through all of these kinds of things that I've spoken about over the past few minutes and it allowed us to do things um, quicker, more efficiently and at larger and more highly scalable levels than otherwise would have been the case if we were just going through the chain of command. Uh, The other thing I would say is there's some key areas in mentorship that entrepreneurs need to address sort of by function one is leadership i just spoke about that a little bit marketing uh if the individual uh starting the company or product or service is is not an expert or marketing uh or or feels like there's a lot more about marketing that could that could come into into play here then make sure that You build out a mentoring team that covers a few key areas leadership, marketing, slash sales, finance. I spoke a bit about financial modeling early on, and legal. Uh, You you wanna make sure that these things are underpinned by the appropriate um, governance documents, compliance documents, and that as you move, for example, into a supply chain or you move into contracted 1099 coders that might be overseas or whatever that you understand um and they understand exactly what's required and you sort of bedrock that with with paper
0: oh i'm here um i I dip in and out i dip in and out i want everybody to focus in on what you have to say so (laughs) um carl you know thank you so much for your Time. I mean, just you know, sharing your story, sharing your advice with um, with with uh, early stage or mid stage startups. Um, just wealth of knowledge and experience and everything you've done in your life and your career. How do people get a hold of you?
1: Oh, I'm I'm easy. I'm I'm Carl Dash A Dash Thomas uh, at LinkedIn. Um, always a great way because I'm always looking to you know pro- do two things. One in in the appropriate relevant way expand my linkedin network and at the same time uh be a resource for folks who might have questions um and and you have that information rob feel free to throw that up on the screen or or if this is a recorded um piece then you know happy to happy to do whatever i I would i would leave you with with one further thought Um, and that is any and every entrepreneur that's worth her or his salt has to come to the table every day with a great attitude, uh, with the with the drive and energy to succeed, with uh, you know a character of integrity because there are going to be very difficult decisions that need to be made and and you, you as the entrepreneur are going to need to make them. And the folks around you and, and the folks that are are helping you need to recognize that um, you're, you're a, a woman or a man of, of character, period. And then lastly, you've got talent. You've got talent, not the TV show. You, every one of us actually has talent. And if we remember those five things every day and come to the table with a relentless focus around our vision, our mission, and the strategy we've decided upon to deploy and launch the company slash product, the likelihood of your success just doing that, regardless of capital needs, regardless of coronavirus, regardless of, you know, the next Lehman meltdown, your chances for success go way, way up.
0: Well, it's no secret why and uh, no surprise why you've been so successful. So thanks for spending time with us that's Carl Thomas over there I'm Rob Thompson this is game playing you today uh thanks for joining us everybody Carl thanks for joining I I really appreciate your time
1: so much my pleasure Rob thank you
0: all right take care now